Welcome to the All Things Performance Podcast, where our goal is to stay hungry, to get better, and to move the meter. My name is Josiah Igano, and whether you're looking to improve physically, to get fed spiritually, or to challenge yourself mentally, we're digging deep to find those gems, and we're going to find them. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> you know, no, very meaningful, purpose-filled ones. You feel me? No, you're right, man. So, hey, hey, so man, this is awesome. I'm really, I'm really excited about today. Uh, today, we're joined with a good friend of mine, uh, Chad Johnson. I call him Ocho Cinco. <laughs> People tune in, man, and get real disappointed to see all this, this beard <laughs> and this big old white head. <laughs> I tell, I was telling, I was telling the uh, for you guys listening. I was telling Chad before the call. I was just like, man, you look like the missing brother of the Duck Dynasty crew, man. <laughs> Man, I need to go. I need to. I need to go get on one of them. A few of them shows, man. Yeah, I heard they were making, they were making bread for just running around growing beards and shooting ducks. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna make that money, bro. They're gonna make that. Money. You know what I mean? And then, and then the podcast will be lit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but hey, Chad, man, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, man. Um, oh Chad, man, it's my honor, bro. Man, like likewise, man. I, I'm, on, I'm we're honored. I'm honored that you're here. Um, I know that I'm going to let you talk about this a little bit. Uh, I've known you as uh, a man of many hats. Uh, you're, yeah, you're a pastor, a life coach. Um, you, you know, man of God. Um, what title right now? And we're going to be, you know, talk about your your time in the NFL. You know, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But what title do you officially? operate under right now at this point in your life man isn't that interesting because um and i'll give you a a little bit of a back drop behind it but i have one title and it's the one my mama gave me chad (laughs) 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 man because here's the thing the reason it's interesting you say that right now because you know the world's on this huge shutdown from covid19 and it's it's awkward for everybody in such a great way. And there's so many different, you know, just perspectives and lessons that can be taught through all of this. You know, a lot of exposures happening for people. Um, there's a lot of great things, a lot of horrible things, and certainly condolences and prayers and, you know, compassion go out to everyone that has been affected by it in a negative way. But when you look at it through the lens of like, you know, the big, big picture, it's like, man, this is, even though it's a big adjustment in a way, there's some real great things that can come from this. People are being shut down. Life is being quieted. You know, um, we're having, it's, it, there's a stripping taking place in a lot of ways and that's not always a bad thing, man. You know, it helps us get that, get, get back to the bare bones of the essentials of life, you know? And, and I think when you get down to fundamentals in athletics, you know, I think anytime we're underperforming, or anytime there's a, a certain symptom taking place, whether in a, a swing or a, a route or a, a shot or whatever it may be, um, one of the first things that any good coach is going to do is going to go back to the fundamentals, right? You go back to the basics and you'll see, you'll see Tiger Woods, like you see videos that are, you know, are viral of him just doing fundamental swinging stuff. And it's like for hours on hours. When he, and he, you know, and then he's interviewed about it and he's saying, well, I'm trying to get my swing corrected. Like you've been swinging your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're, you're doing something so elementary. 
And so I think it's the same principle in life, man. It's, it's very athletically uh, synonymous, you know, because it's like the, we're going back to the fundamentals. It's, it's people are forced to now spend time with their family. What a beautiful thing, man, for dads to actually have to be in the home to see what goes on. Mm-hmm. in the home and for kids to reconnect with their father. I mean, this world's so busy and it's so pseudo because of the, you know, the, the, the videos and the, and, you know, look, I mean, we're using technology as, in a great way right now, but it can consume us to the point to where everything's pseudo and there's a layer of, uh, and a barrier, you know, that everybody has to get through to get to you. And so, you know, I think I think we're made to have relationship, man, and intimate, deep, genuine, meaningful relationships. And I think that this is forcing us back to the basics, getting us back to the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, you know, of life, man. And so, uh, you know, when we're talking performance. Yeah. We're we're talking we're talking. You know, back to the fundamentals. Like you can be great out there in the world on your job, uh, in your craft, whatever it may be, but the real truth is if you're not great at home, what good is it? Yeah. No, I, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's, that's where impact is greatest. I had a professor, man, tell me in uh, college, man, he said it was in one of our ministry courses. Um, I took a lot of ministry courses and one of, one of the ministry courses, he was the disciple, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the professor was saying, he said, you can, impact people from afar mm-hmm. you can excuse me you can impress people from afar but you only impact them up close Oof. you know wow so yeah and so i i think it's making it's making that dynamic of the family have to be restructured you know and re-emphasized and those connections you know, take place, true meaningful ones. And I, and that's where true impact comes. So I say all that to say, like I said, I was laying a backdrop, man, I've been on this kind of shutdown stripping for a while, man. It's been about a year. I took a, I took a time. I've been in the, the field, uh, the ministry field, the athletic field, um, working in professional athletics for 17 years, 18 years, almost. And I've been in working, serving people, man serving communities and um, all over the world for 20 years, bro. And so um, having a time of rest and shutdown was so necessary for me, yeah. you know? And so, man, I, 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 the last year it's been like this for me. So I was already in this mode, but you know, before a month ago when the, when the quarantine and started happening in America and it was just, for me, I was like, man, I'm already other than social distancing. <laughs> that was the only adjustment I had to, make you know like i was already on it so literally stripped down to just chad bro yeah no that's really good and i want you to remember that because i want to go back to that here in a little bit because you hit on something that i want you to uh, add some more meat on the bone um with and that you said you you use the word stripping you said that there's a necessary stripping that's taking place Uh, and then you came back and then you said it again in your words uh if you were if you would oblige us in your words what does that all entail yeah, well, I mean, I think the concept is the same thing as, you know, uh, man, a, a good chef cutting a, a nice steak, you know, you you cut back what's not necessary, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's things are getting leaner, 
You know, as an athlete, you lean your body out. You want to perform better, you know, in certain, depending on the sport, you know, but like, I, I think in life, that's what it, the same, it's synonymous with getting leaner. It's just the stripping in life. Sometimes we, we, we cutting out the fat, bro. We're throwing out what's, what's not necessary, you know, what's not essential. And, you know, so, I mean, that's the, that's the whole concept I think as I take it, it's more just leaning out, man. Yeah. You know, helping yeah. us reprioritize. Yeah. And, and to your prior point too, you know, um, you know, our, our prayers and our thoughts, man, and our, and our strength goes out to those individuals who have been affected, you know, um, by this, uh, by this world pandemic. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, the wreckage that has, uh, that has happened, you know, um, since that. And it's precedent in our life. Yeah. We've never seen anything like this. Um, no. And so our prayers yeah. go to those individuals um, in the midst of this. And uh, no matter what happens, we all have to go through it. Like we have to move through it. Uh, and so some of us are, our hearts are a little heavier than others, but um, I really, I really think that there is uh, uh, great value in, in this stripping process um, that is taking place as a result of what we all have to deal with. And I think, I think that that's um, uh, very valuable to keep in mind. Um, I want to switch gears for a quick second here. So, I mean, knowing you, um, you've been around a bunch of celebrities, dude. You've been around pro athletes. You've been around Hall of Famers, um, you know, just men and women of renown. And what I want to do is I want to ask, like, who do you think, because we all have this niche, niche, depending on your pronunciation, of people that, you know what I'm saying? Depending on what, depending on what part of France you're from. Uh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know, we all have our, our French words. I do, I even know. We don't have to, we don't have to get the, uh, the uh, ESPN spell, script spelling bee uh, language of origin on that one because I have no idea. Um, but who, who would you say, right, are the people group that Chad Johnson has been called to? I mean, you've done a lot of stuff, man, in wow. interviews. Um, you've done stuff with the, with the least of these, you've done stuff at the mountaintop with, with big time celebrity. Who are your people, dude? Like, who are you called to? You know, that's, that's interesting, man, because that's been challenged a lot in the last seasons of my life, you know? Um, and I think, you know, I'm still trying to figure, I, I wouldn't be able to not say I'm trying to figure it out, but I wouldn't be able to give you this one definite set. I'm called to this people group. I think it's, um, where there's a need and we feel, you know, I, we feel led or empowered to fill the need. I think it's, you know, it's, if it's within our power to do so, um, I believe strongly that we meet the need when we can, you know, mm-hmm. and not saying I've been able to meet all needs, but I definitely know that whether it's somebody in a clubhouse or a locker room or, you know, uh, a world series game, Super Bowl event or a, you know, uh, an orphanage in Haiti, you know, or, you know, passing out something to the homeless in a, in a, in an urban community somewhere or whatever, working with, you know, young men who don't have fathers in their life, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I, I feel like I chase passion, bro. You know, that's kind of always been my rule of thumb. It's like two things. I chase passion and I chase peace, Mm. you know, that's, that's it, man. 
those are my two markers. If I've got passion, if I'm passionate about it, because then I can give all of me to it, you know? Like, I just feel like nothing in life deserves anything half-hearted, you know, or halfway done. I think we should, whatever we do, we should do it with everything we got. Yeah. And, you know, passion is kind of the marker for that to help get, help me be ignited every single day to give my all. And then I feel like, you know, it's a part of the game plan, the overall grand game plan of my life mm-hmm. when I have peace. So where peace and passion collide, you know, um, and then I, you know, the third one is also preparation, you know? So it's like things, things that I've been prepared for in my life, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, it makes sense. Cause I've been prepared to do this. It didn't, doesn't make sense when you're being prepared, yeah. but then when you get to the opportunity, you're like, Oh, I, I've kind of been like ready and prepared for this. Yeah. So, so let me ask know, you this, so. let me ask you, let me ask you this. And you probably already answered it and I, and I don't want to cut you off, but you bring up something that is prime to ask at this moment in time. Why is it that, because knowing you, man, you thrive and you do very well in high performance situations. So let's, let's talk about uh, performance psychology for 30 seconds. Yeah. Why is it, or what do you attribute it to when you look at performance, right? It's the execution of a specific task or a function, how well you do it, how efficient you do it. Why is yeah. it you thrive so well in high pressure situations? I've seen you in different roles, different hats, thrive in high pressure situations, both with cameras on and cameras off. Why do you yeah. do well in that? Man, I think, wow, it's a great question. Um, honestly, man, what comes to mind first off, Josiah, is number one, I'm, I'm, I'm the, you know, RIP to my man, Kobe, but I'm, I identify so much with that type of a mentality, you know, the, the Mamba mentality, the, the one going, you know, all out, you know, hard in the paint, 100, keeping everything, you know, just giving it your all. And I think for me, man, it was like, I had a dad, you know, I had a dad who, who raised me to be the best, like, <laughs> You know, there were times like there's a flip side to it. It's not sometimes it's like, man, it shows up in my adult life as a man where it's I'm so stuck on performance that I can get to where my, my worth and my identity start to, you know, be wrapped up in what I, what, what I do and how well I do it. Yeah. And so that's the the negative side or, or the necessary, not necessarily negative, but what it can be, what it can, what can it can cause in an extreme case, right? When you take things too far, but you know, in a healthy dose of that, I had a dad who prepared me to be the best I could be in everything. And so, you know, I, I was five and six years old having to, you know, he, he'd take me outside and we'd shoot, we'd shoot the rock, man. And we'd shoot, and we'd shoot, and we'd shoot. And he'd, he'd work me out and I never could leave the court until I, it was always, I had to leave on a make, you know, he would, he would always, you leave on a make, you leave on a make. And so it's always this, he'd been this like driving force in me to be the best. He's, you know, he would never, my dad had, as an adult, we had a lot of, we had to have a lot of conversations, you know, but you grow as a man and you kind of grow to appreciate certain things because I said, you know, my dad, like, man, I just never felt like I could be good enough for you, you know, and that, that affected me into my adult life, but understanding more as an adult and realizing, you know, wow, what life really takes, man, what this life takes, bro. Yeah. This life, you can't, you can't go through this thing 
you know, hobbling and limping and, you know, <laughs> you know, halfway put together, like, and, and halfway committed. Yeah, yeah. look, life is, it's going to throw stuff at you. And so sports and my father prepared me for all the opportunities that life was going to throw at me, you know? And my dad, my dad always saying, man, like, I know I was hard on you, but he said, I was hard on you because I saw how great you could be. Yeah. You know? And, and so I had a father, man, prepare me like literally, like that's literally what I attributed most to is my dad. Just, he was hard on me, man. And hard on me from the sense of he loved me. You know, he always brought me, welcomed me in his loving arms, but man, I would score, you know, I'd have PlayStation nights in, in yeah. basketball, you know, yeah. <laughs> where I'm just, where there's hot, like fire. Remember NBA back in the day, you, oh, yeah. get, you get the flame on you. He's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would have, I would have a flame night, bro. Come home, come home and my dad would remind me of the layups I missed, you know, like, ah, oh, man, like, man, yeah, you had a, you had a great night, but why'd you miss layups? You know, <laughs> why'd you miss two layups? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man. So there was always this, okay, more, more, more. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, so I could be ready. And I think, you know, in a divine way, my father saw something, you know, by the grace of God that my life was going to be in a lot of high-performing situations. And so I had to learn as a young man to perform under pressure. Wow. Wow. That's, that's beautiful, man. I know for those of you who have not heard Chad Johnson's uh, testimony or his story about his father um, and just like everything, I mean, as far as like Olympics and basketball that you were involved in, dude, it's really powerful stuff, man. It's really powerful stuff. And unfortunately we can't get into that today because we, it would take over, but it's, it's, man, I I hear this whole thing. Was that? I said it would be another time. Yeah, yeah, another time. It's powerful, man, and it, it's really and it makes sense now. You know, as you're talking about it right now, it really makes sense. And I hear this theme that that keeps coming up in preparation, in preparation, and I think it's awesome how you know when you're prepared, you know, it brings that peace and that passion is the driver. And so uh, I just think that that's huge, man. So um, I want you to share. I asked you before our call to share the story about the late Denny Green, man. Just a great man. Yeah. One of the most beloved coaches in NFL history. Uh, and Chad Johnson. Because without knowing the story of Denny Green, you don't know the full story of Chad Johnson. And if I can brag on you, uh, Chad, for for 20 seconds, I mean, you're somebody who has, again, you've, you've been in professional sports for almost 20 years. Um, you have, uh, you know, you've reached and impacted impacted, not impressed, impacted literally thousands um, uh, of people. Uh, And these thousands upon thousands um, have ranged anywhere from inner city youth um, to professional athletes, to people in the entertainment industry, to people in the clergy. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Um, I've I've had a front row seat at, you know, at it, at, at, at at the Chad Johnson uh, show in, in Chad Johnson's life. And um, I want you to share this story about Denny Green, because I feel like if you don't know this story, you don't know Chad Johnson. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> Good old Danny, man. Um, what a great man, first off. You know, he, he got the job in 2002, I think, or 2003 for the Arizona Cardinals, um, the head coaching job. Cardinals were in a really bad funk during, you know, those days. It was, you know, we were playing outside in the ASU Stadium, Sun Devil Stadium in September. Them That's September crazy. games is 110, and it's like – 5,000 fans, you know, it was crazy. But um, I was working for FCA. I was serving the inner city schools, high schools uh, in, in FCA. So I was I was just grinding, bro. I was just following passion, as stated earlier. Man, I, I was just following passion. I was an athlete. I had been impacted by the Fellowship of Christian Athletes deeply as a teenager. And I just wanted to give back in the same way and impact young people the way that I had been impacted as a teenager. And... Um, and then also working at a at a church as a youth and children's pastor and <laughs> in the inner city in Phoenix. And uh, Denny Green, through a series of crazy circumstances, is moving into his house uh, in a nice affluent area in Phoenix. And there was a guy who would work with me sometimes, uh, working you know with some of the young people in the inner city. And he was also a water meter reader for the city of Phoenix back when they used to read, actually go to the house and read the water meter themselves. Um, he's turning on his water because he's moving into a new house and they strike up a conversation. And one way or another, it leads to uh, Danny Green asking him if there was anybody that he knew of that could impact athletes on a professional level and was really, uh, you know, a passionate on fire person for, for their faith and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for whatever reason, my name got dropped in the, in the bucket. Um, and next day he's calling me in my office, man, Denny Green. And I'm thinking, man, somebody's punking me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, man, Denny Green's not calling me. I was 23, Josiah. I was 23. Uh, you know, I was working in the inner city. You know, you don't do, you don't serve people and do ministry, especially for money. So I was, you know, I had a 1998 Honda, or I mean, a 1998 Mitsubishi Galant <laughs> with, or it might have been a 96. I don't know. Anyway, it was somewhere in the 90s. Um, it had, you know, cars Cars have four wheels and mine have three hubcaps. So, <laughs> and two, two of my hubcaps were wired on by clothes hangers because I got tired of losing the hubcaps, man. So I was like, you know, I'm pulling up. I'm pull, I I drive places and my hubcaps are clapping, pop, 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 you know, beatboxing. And man, that was me. I didn't care though, man. I was I was on the grind. I was following my passion. I didn't care if it, it required me living in a cardboard box, man. I was so passionate about reaching these young people in the inner city. And anyway, long story short, Denny Green asked me to come and meet with them, you know. So I went. To the Arizona Cardinals facility, went to meet with him. And when I went, meant to, went to meet with him, he sets me down and we, we're talking for about 20 minutes. I have no idea why I'm there. Uh, about 20 minutes in, he just looks at me. He goes, you know, I really like you, man. He goes, I, I'm wondering, would you, would you come on and be the, the chaplain and life coach, you know, for our, for our players? Come on, you know, come on board. And I'm thinking, me? <laughs> Dude, I'm 23. I've never played a, a snap of professional football. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on a youth pastor's salary, which is basically at that time, the equivalent of what a week on the practice squad would, would get. 
<laughs> no, about about a month on the practice squad for the Cardinals would have paid my annual salary. Um, you know, I, I'm just getting started, man. I'm I'm fresh out of college. I'm you know grinding hard in the inner city, though, man, and just just expanding my life in in my passion, man. And so, um, Danny Green asked me to be the, the the team chaplain, life coach, and I, you know, I, I came on and was like, wow, absolutely, you know. Um, joined the, the squad and uh, went to go do my very first chapel. That was one of the things that we did was we would do, you know, the game day or the day before the game. Most of the time with the Cardinals, it was game day. We do chapels and the very first chapel, I'm driving in my Mitsubishi Galant with three hubcaps on it, two wired on by, by clothes hangers. And I pull up, this is my very first time. I pull up into the parking lot of the Arizona Cardinals facility and there's only one parking spot in the whole place. And it's right next to Emmett Smith's Midnight Blue Lamborghini. So Emmett spent his last two years in the NFL at, at the Arizona Cardinals. And, like, that's the only place for me to pull up, man. So I'm pulling up next to a Midnight Blue Lamborghini from somebody who I saw actually get that car, give it to him, or heard about it, you know, like on the news. And I'm just going, wow. Like, I'm sitting here, me, like, and, and bro, all of a sudden, it's a, it's a powerful story because all of a sudden, this litany of disqualifying thoughts rolls out of my mind, you know, and I, I go, man, are you kidding me? This, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, they're not going to listen to me. I don't have anything to give them. They, man, please, it's, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And just disqualifying thoughts, you know, yeah. and I think what happens a lot of times in life, we get to these, these uh, very, very impactful and really um what's the word i it, they're like it's purposeful man it's like yeah. turning points it's like turning points yeah it's convergence bro it's like where where purpose and passion and preparation and then opportunity and all that collide right mm -hmm. and it's like they they converge in this place and that was on one of my moments and so what it required of me was to quit really challenge what i thought about me you know yeah. And I'm like, okay, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not qualified. What is what was the loudest voice, or what was the loudest thing that just kept on reverberating back yeah, in your mind as you're pulling up to this midnight blue Lambo? What, what was your what were you man, thinking? Man, I think I think it was the, it was the shine. It was the shine of the money. It was the shine of like the whole the whole fame and the whole life. Like, man, who, what do I have to say to these people? Mm -hmm. You know, they they have they're not going to listen to me. Why would they listen to me? You know. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm an inner city service man, you know, humanitarian guy working in the middle of <laughs> <laughs> playing good Samaritan, you know, <laughs> what happened, man? what happened? What'd you do? Exactly. So man, I, anyways, I, you know, I just, I, I, I looked at myself, bro, in the mirror, in my car <laughs> and I had to give myself a little locker room talk, man, a little pregame. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I did, man. I had to become coach and player at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I looked and I just, man, I gave myself the best pep talk I've ever had in my life, man. And it, it was just, it sounded something like, man, you may not have everything that they have, but I had to start reminding myself of everything that I had been through in life. Yeah. You know, because from the time I was young, man, I, I had faced a lot of adversity, you know, overcoming a broken home and, you know, 
being raised then by single parents and, you know, um, being the man of my house at an early, early age and just, man, a lot, man. It just stuff that I could go on and on and on. But by the time I was 23, I had lived about 43, 53 years worth of adversity. Yeah. And so I had to start thinking about the adversity I'd been through. I had to start thinking about the years of athletics, man. I mean, by that time I started playing sports when I was five, you know, and you know, I'm sitting there going, man, I've, I've, I've faced some big opponents before. Mm -hmm. I've lost some games. I've won some games, you know, I've won some games. I didn't, shouldn't have won. I've lost some ones. I should have, should have won, you know? And, but at the end of the day, you know, for me, I, I, I've got a, I've got a story writing, you know, I've got some history writing behind me, man. And I think that's what really bringing those things into remembrance is what made me go, all right, let's go get this, bro. Like, let's go get this. This is a moment. Yeah. It's a huge moment. It's a moment that people would ask for. Yes. And I've been invited to have this moment. So, you know, I said, I got it, man, this opportunity is knocking. I got it. I got to go swing for the fence, man. And so, you know, I walked down in there, swag walked down into that chapel, like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I walk out there, man, and Emma Smith sitting right in the front row with this Bible open, like, man, talk to me, you know, and there's five guys in that, in that chapel. And man, I had rehearsed on right before my pep talk, I had re rehearsed my resignation speech, you know, and my resignation speech turned into the pep talk and the pep talk turned into the swag walk. Yeah. The swag walk turned into a walking into the chapel room and about, about, uh, getting broke down to my brake pads, man, my knees buckled yeah. like, Oh my God, this is, is really this be happening right now. So man, it was surreal for me, but at, because you know, you grow up watching players play and then all of a sudden you're speaking to them like, and they're, they're looking for you to give them something, some fuel for them. Mm -hmm. And I was, man, it was unreal. So anyway, man, walked in there, five guys were in my first chapel. By the end of the season, we had 30 plus guys coming to the chapels um, and to some of my seminars and services that I was providing for the, the, the Cardinals. And it was just, man, it was just proof that I believe God brings us to places and, and allows us to be in moments and, and brings opportunities in our life that, man, sometimes they don't come back around, yeah. you know, not every opportunity comes back around again, man. But, um, it's what we do with those opportunities. It's how we seize those moments. It's the old, you know, carpe diem, mm -hmm. like seize the day, you know, maximize the moment, lay your hands and like grab a hold to it, man. And, uh, you know, make the most of every opportunity. And so that's what I did that day, man. God blessed it. And 17 years later, you know, I'm still working with athletes, you know, I'm doing a lot more one-on-one -on -one work, but man, I've been in almost every NFL stadium. I think I actually, I have been in every NFL stadium in a lot of major league baseball. I've, talked, I've done a lot of work with, you know, uh, the WBA, some work with the NBA. I've done a lot of work with, uh, several boxers. I've done work with, you know, um, athletes, entertainers, mm -hmm. you know, actors, all kinds of stuff. So at the end of the day, working with people that are, their life is based on their performance has kind of been the niche that I've been in, bro. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's a tremendous story and it's one of those things where I think the thing that I'm most fascinated with is that, as you just said, 
if you didn't take advantage of that situation, it probably wouldn't have come back around. And that situation was a defining moment in your life. And it's spring. Sure. It definitely springboarded you to getting comfortable with working with Hall of Famers and, and these big time uh, celebrities and athletes. And uh, you did it once, then you did it twice and three times and four times. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're with the Steelers, you know, full, you know, full time. You're, you're doing, you're doing all these things, man, that you've alluded to in all these different people groups, but it can be traced back to that moment. And I just absolutely love that. Um, speaking of people of renown, if anybody does a simple Google search of Chad Johnson, um, not Ocho Cinco, the, <laughs> the other Ocho Cinco, one would find that, you know, you were recently um, in a pretty big relationship um, with, yeah. with um, a member of Destiny's Child. And we won't, we won't go into all the details of that, but yeah. how, how are you doing? Um, and and, and did you, have you learned anything that has uh, impacted your life positively? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties, you know, and I'm 42, about to be 43 years old, never been married. Um, you know, spent my life, you know, I don't want to sound like, oh, self-righteous or anything by any stretch, but, you know, I feel honored and blessed to be able to, you know, be healthy and pour my life out. But, you know, didn't, didn't spend a lot of time as you know, we we've been boys for a long, long time, man. Um, and didn't date around, didn't have, you know, didn't date frivolous, frivolously, didn't, you know, wasn't haphazard with that. And so, uh, and was very private with anything that I did have. <laughs> so going from that super private life to then all of a sudden, you know, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what, what date we're on, somebody's filming us, videoing us, blogging about us. Uh, it, it it was a massive adjustment for me, man, because I don't like people being in my business, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, I just don't like it. And, and it's not because I'm trying to hide anything. I just don't like it, you know? Um, I, I like giving people what they, what they, what I want them to know and what, you know, what I feel comfortable sharing. And, and, and man, it was, so it was infringing, man, on a lot of levels. Um, and it definitely affected mine and Michelle's development. You know, because both of us have been committed. Both of us had never been married and we were 100% committed to our craft and our careers. Mm -hmm. And then to be, you know, she's near for at the time we started dating. She was in her late 30s. And, you know, um, we had both been almost 20 years committed to our, our careers. And then all of a sudden we're trying to make this life work. And so it's like a reverse pyramid. <laughs> you know, you're trying to funnel things down to make it, you know, make it work, man, instead of building you know, from the foundation, yeah. you're trying to funnel things down into a foundation. And so, um, for us, it just presented a lot of difficulties, man. And, uh, she's a great person, you know, and we had a phenomenal relationship and a great connection and we're still friends, you know, um, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of, uh, of reconciling there and, you know, uh, a lot of conversations that have been very positive and, and, you know, I, we, we, definitely cheer each other on and wish each other well. And, um, you know, it, it was so for me, man, it was just, oh, man, the lesson learned in that whole, that whole journey was probably a, a whole litany of things. That's a whole nother show. But one of the greatest things, man, from, from me to you brother was, 
you know, just learning that every desire that we have to do good doesn't always mean that the people on the receiving end also have that same desire. Yeah. And I'm not speaking about Michelle. I'm talking about when we decided to go ahead and go public with our life, with our relationship, it was because we were like, Hey, I mean, people are already infringing on our privacy, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what it's, it just comes with the territory. But, um, so we were like, well, let's go ahead and let's just, you know, let's get, let's go ahead and feed the beast a little bit, right? The media beast, you got to feed them a little bit. And we thought, with great intention, we'll feed them positivity. We'll feed them life. We'll feed them, you know, and all this stuff. And man, that world, they didn't want anything but drama and, <laughs> and negativity, man. So it was like, okay, okay. I found out real quick. These people don't want positivity. They, they, the world is crafted and fashioned, man, to cater to and to listen to and to really support, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're inclined to support negative, negative things, things that are dramafied, things that, you know, stir us up, make us feel better about us because, oh, they got problems too. So it makes me feel better about my life. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're real people, we're real people and she's super down to earth and humble. And so for us, it was a no brainer to be able to say, man, if we can make impact in homes and in lives and in, you know, people's marriages or relationships, let's do that. But man, it turned, it turned into a, a pretty big hairy ball to try to yeah. <laughs> stop from rolling once it got rolling, you know, and it, it, it ended up hurting us both actually. And we've had, we both had a massive uh, journey of recovery, you know? Yeah. And so thankfully we're both on a, we're still in the healing journey, but I think both of us are in a, in a good space um, on that journey, you yes. know? That's good. I'm glad to hear. I thank you for sharing that with me because you didn't have to, to to share and you did. You let us in a little bit. And I appreciate that. I think that the, the most powerful thing in that is that there's reconciliation. And, um, and yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's part of being an adult, though, bro. You have, you know, there's no there's no need for. To, to run around life in, in life and, and just have unhealth, a trail of unhealthy brokenness following yeah. you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. So, hey, yeah. so as we get ready to close, man, first of all, man, thank you again, bro. Thank you again, man, for taking the time. Uh, this has been very uh, in, enriching and rewarding, man, uh, for, for me selfishly. Uh, and I know that the people listening, yeah, man. I know the people listening have been blessed too. Um, real quick, I got one more question before I give you the mic to, to, to close us out. Um, you were recently, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, in Israel. Um, for, for, yeah. for quite an extended amount of time. Um, talk to us about that, uh, the benefits of what you learned, uh, what you discovered. Um, I, I think you would call it a sabbatical. And then after that, man, I'm going to give you the mic, man, and just, you know, drop it, you know, as far as uh, yeah. the thoughts you have. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, just I appreciate you having me, man. I Listen, Israel, I, I mean, I've been speaking and teaching and learning from the scriptures since I was 17, you know, and I've been speaking since I was about 20 from the scriptures, 1920. And so to study that amount of years, you know, 20 plus years and always have just the imagery in your head of what this place looks like or where this happened or, you know, I, I love stories. I'm a man. I like imagery. I'm very visual driven. So 
<laughs> to me, that was interesting. And to go back um, to the place where I had envisioned so many moments, you know, and actually be there to see, okay, this is where King David ran from Saul into a cave. I'm yeah. looking at the cave. That's you know, this, this is where, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, you know, fed the 5,000. He performed a miracle. Here's where water was turned into wine. Here's where, you know, that happened, et cetera. So it just, there's so many things, man. But overall, to be able to be like, okay, these stories, not that I ever thought they were fictional, um, because they're, they're faith-filled, real people that I know the Bible highlights, you know, stories that are, are true accounts, you know, historical accounts of things that took place. And, you know, the Bible is the biggest history book we have, you know, and, and for me, man, it was just being able to be there to see real life in real time. Wow. This is where it happened. It brought it to a whole other level of tangible, like palatable truth, Yeah, you know? And I was rocked, bro. I, I, I came back like, I was rocked. I was sobered more than anything. Like I came back going, man, I don't know if we're doing this right. And I don't know. <laughs> like it caused me to question everything. It caused me to question my own, the way I'm carrying out my faith. It caused me to question, you know, the way I look at things, the the world perspectives, the Ameri- the church in America, like just so many things, man. It caused me to question. And, you know, so I've, I've had to, wrestle with and chew on grapple with a lot of that stuff since you know i've been back yeah that's awesome what, yeah what, man what would you say is one of the biggest things that you're like man you know i thought it was like this but now that i've seen it experienced it breathed it in it's really yeah. challenging me what, what one thing can you give us one thing yeah yeah well i think you know the bible talks about the wilderness the promised land you know, it, it talks about mountains a lot, places of worship. It talks about, you know, sites like, you know, the garden and like all these different places, man. And to me, from from like Galilee to to like the wilderness, to Jordan, to the Jordan, you know, to Jericho, to the wilderness where Jesus was tempted, to the wilderness where, you know, the children of Israel wandered for 40 years and like all this stuff, man, with the exception of the Old Testament, like Egypt and stuff like that, stories from Egypt and whatnot. Israel, though, mm-hmm. like the stories of like Christ and like a lot of David's stories and mm-hmm. the Old Testament stuff, man, that are actually in Israel, Abraham. Those places are so close together, Josiah. And yeah. you can, like, it's so crazy. I mean, you can literally be 10 minutes in a car in a bus and the terrain completely changes. Wow. So you're going, wait a minute, this is the wilderness? So, yeah. oh, wait, that's, that's, that's where that happened and that, you know. So yeah. I think the wilderness just being right there, like yeah. literally you go, it's, it's like a threshold. And it goes, all of a sudden you are in, you are in the desert, bro. Like yeah. that. There's no gradual ascent into, or descent, whatever you want to consider, <laughs> into yeah. the dirt and the heat, man. So that to me was... It was just, it was cool to put things in perspective, you know, from a, from a geographical standpoint to, to say, oh, this is so much closer and it's so much more like compact than what I realized, you know? And, and so, you know, and they, they walked everywhere they were on foot and it was just, 
man, it, I don't, it's just mind boggling. So it's a, it's a great, 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 great trip, man. That's cool. Man. But, uh, but man, I, I know you asked me to leave you with something. And so, you know, I know we got to close out, man. I love you. I appreciate the time. I love what you're doing. Everything you do, man, I, I co-sign, I support it because I know the kind of person you are and I know how you handle things and what you put in the things. So I know that this is going to be a great success because everything you put your hand to is. And um, as I told you offline, um, anything you do, man, that I can assist or I can support or help hold your arms up, man, I'm all the way in, man, all the way, 100%, however you need me. So and however, however, as much as you need me as well, bro. If we just were like that, man. It's, it's like that, bro. But, uh, man, Josiah, I would say in terms of, performance you know um when i knew i was coming on today i said man what can i say that's the most accurate of the season that i'm in um, mm-hmm. i'm in a season of rest so before this whole quarantine happened the whole covid19 situation happened i was man i was already kind of quarantining if you will you know yeah. because i was in a season where and i am still in this season of rest bro and I, I, I'm a doer. I'm a worker bee. I'm like, I'm a results guy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, when do you want it done? Oh, I wanted it yesterday. You know what I mean? Like nothing can be done too soon for me, yeah. you know? So it's, I, I'm that kind of high driven, high task oriented guy. And, um, I, I feel, I, I thrive off being productive. You know, I get my fuel off being productive and man, I, I think with that kind of drive and athletics train me for that. You know, being in sports my whole life, there was never an off season for me. I always had some sport, you know, as a kid, I, I, you know, wrestling, football, basketball, baseball, gymnastics. I mean, you name it, soccer. I I did everything, diving, swimming, everything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was never an off season. And then in, you know, junior high high school, football, basketball, baseball, never an off season. Often in summer, it was camps and training. And, you know, so I never had a time off. So at the end of the day, man, for me, um, learning that, you know, performance for me is equated with productivity. Mm -hmm. And so productivity was my driving force. And so it caused me in a lot of ways to ignore myself, you know. Mm-hmm. ignore what's really going on, whether it's in my body, whether it's, you know, it, it caused me to ignore sickness, man, just to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, I had had an injury in 2016 where I, I've had, I broke my, broke my back. I tore up some muscles and ligaments in my shoulder, had a massive injury. And I, I'm in pain every day from that man still to this day, years, you know, almost four years later. Um, and I, I'm just pressing through, you know, um, I had some things happen, of course, you know, even down to the failed engagement, like things in my personal life that affected my soul and my mental space, you know, a mm-hmm. um, lot of losses. I had, my father passed away. My granny passed away. My, you know, uh, I had a lot of difficulties running my organization, a lot of obstacles there. It was just, you know, one obstacle after another, disappointment after another, loss after another. Mm-hmm. But I just kept pressing through, bro. And let me tell you why. Because I was trained and raised on sports and athletics and being raised and trained on sports and athletics taught me that you learn to play hurt. Yeah. You know, in sports, bro, we are praised, we are celebrated, we are honored, 
It's almost like you get a man stamp, bro. Yeah. Like, bam, mm-hmm. when you play hurt, that's a man. That's yeah. a man. He knows how to, he knows how to play hurt. And while in sports, like, you know, yeah, I get it to a certain degree, but I took that, I've taken that into life and I've learned to play hurt, bro. Yeah. You know? And so you can sometimes be in performance mode so heavy that you don't realize that you're actually perform performing hurt. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so I had to lay down, man. I had to stop. I had to pause. I had to say, you know what? I can't keep carrying these things that are nagging injuries, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, serving in the NFL all those years, it was like, man, pe- guys, by the end of the season, people were just broken, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't a single person. The training room was visited by all 53 men by yeah. the end of the season. Like, yeah. everybody's in there, you know? So at the end of the day, man, uh, you, you realize the further you, the longer you go with nagging injuries, the more it produces more nagging injuries, you yeah. know, and to the point of like, sometimes it can be debilitating. And so, um, you know, I, I got sidelined, sidelined by life and some just injuries, man. And, and I think I had to finally say, you know what, I'm not going to continue to play hurt. So I'm going to go ahead and attend to these injuries. I'm going to go ahead and, get in the athletic training room. I'm going to go ahead and get in some therapy and go ahead and get in some counseling I'm go ahead and get So I'm dealing with body, mind, spirit, you know, the whole thing, man. I'm dealing with the soul. I'm dealing with my, with my, with my body, my temple, you know, and making sure all air, all three areas of my life in that respect are attended to, you know, cause I don't want to go into the next phase of life in the next 20 years or whatever, you know, working in this field or whatever it, whatever it has, you know, um, and do it the same. Yeah. So my endeavor right now is I don't want to play hurt, man. I want to play whole. Oh, I want to play. I want to play healthy. I love it, man. I love it. That's dry. Hey, drop the mic on that. Drop the mic on that. <laughs> that's, that's powerful, man. Chad, man, once again, man, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I thought it was really good. I can't wait to go back and just just, you know, peel back all those layers, man, um, that you shared with us today, man. God bless you, brother. And I thank you. Yeah, man, you too. Okay, champ. Much love to you, man. All the best.